This episode of Contracting Conversations is brought to you by BSCAI Certifications. Stand out from the crowd and illustrate your dedication to the industry and professional development by earning one of four professional designations for supervisors, suppliers, managers, and executives. Learn more at bscai.org slash certification. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, a podcast series from BSCAI. Through a series of interviews with entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives, this podcast aims to provide insights, trends, and tactics to support the growth and development of business owners serving the contract cleaning and facility maintenance industry. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, the official podcast of BSCAI. I am your host, Kate Jacobson. Today we have Contracting Success Plus keynote speaker and author Kevin Brown. We're chatting about being a hero. What does that mean for building service contractors? Brown explains how leaders can unleash their inner hero to motivate, inspire, and push through times of crisis in and outside of the office. Support for Contracting Conversations comes from our premier partners, 3M, Diversi, and Karcher. Learn more about our partners and their category-leading solutions for contractors at bscai.org partners. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited. You're going to be a keynote at Contracting Success Plus, BSCI's first virtual uh, conference, which should be pretty exciting. Um, you have a book and it's titled The Hero Effect, Being Your Best When It Matters the Most. Uh, obviously, it's been really trying times for a lot of leaders during the pandemic. Um, what do you think resonates with, what do you think your book, how your book resonates with people that are going through a trying time and that need to step up and be the best right now? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I am super excited about this event. It's virtual, it's weird, it's unusual, it's, you know, it's all of the, the th things that we're dealing with in this COVID-19 era, and I'm just so thankful that we get the opportunity to come together and learn together, grow together. When I think about the hero effect, I've, I've been going around the world for the past decade talking about what it means to be a hero at work and at home, and now we turn on the news, we go online, and we hear words like, heroic. We hear words like essential, and we're hearing all of these things now. And the hero effect in its most simple form is about being your best when it matters the most. And when we're in times like these that are challenging and uncertain and chaotic, we need people now more than ever, ever that will show up and be the best version of themselves at work and at home. I mean, literally everything has been turned upside down. We have spouses and significant others working together um, at home, and they're trying to to homeschool the kids and they've got all of these new dynamics that we're dealing with. Um, you know, people are, are utilizing technology and they're leveraging technology. And one of the things that I've learned, I've worked with over 500 companies in the last four years alone. And one of the things that I'm noticing about this COVID-19 era is that 
it's really revealing some of the blind spots in our businesses. As leaders, we're starting to see those things that, um, for myself, for example, technology has always been an important part of my business, but I didn't really get into all the Zoom meetings and the virtual platforms and all the digital technology like I should have. It's always been on my, my radar, yeah. but I do live events typically. And since March 12th of this year, you know, we've done probably 30 or 40 virtual events. And so we had to accelerate our learning and go to work on those blind spots or those weak places in our business. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been crazy even for us. You know, we we would host webinars um, periodically, and now we're, our conference is going virtual. But we, it's crazy how quickly you can learn if you just have a positive attitude and you have that uh, ability to just lock in and say, okay, I need to do this for the betterment of myself. I need to do the betterment of my employees. Um, kind of having that internal. Uh, burst of uh, energy and of and of focus yeah. it's, it's been really amazing yeah you know it's interesting somebody's going to get better during this pandemic somebody you know there's going to be companies that come out of this stronger and healthier and better and there's going to be some companies that uh, don't survive it and there's going to be companies that come out of it uh, not in very good shape and I think the ones that are going to come out of this the strongest are the ones that a don't deny the reality of the situation, right? We understand that we're in a difficult time, but we're also in a time of extraordinary opportunity. We have, we have an opportunity to leverage this change and come out of this stronger if we'll focus on what do we need to do to strengthen our brand, our operating system, our culture, what can I do to support my employees, what can I do to support my customers, what can I do to bridge the gap between where they are and where they need to be. And when we go to work with that kind of focus, you know, it, it makes our problems a lot easier to deal with when we're focused on other people's problems. It's amazing how much smaller our, our actual problems get. And not to minimize this time at all, we are in just horrific times when you think about the, the health landscape and, and so many people who've been affected by this and people have lost their lives to this. But from a leadership and business standpoint, we really have two choices. We can move head headstrong into this, put our heads down, go to work, or we can just hold on and try to ride it out. And my dad always taught me when there's work to do, put your head down, do the work. And this is one of those times where we, where I think that's really good advice. Yeah. And from your experience, what is, what are some common mistakes that the leaders who aren't, who aren't putting their head down, who are just kind of trying to ride the wave, what are some of the mistakes that they're making that could affect them in the future in a negative way? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a big culture person. I have spent, uh, you know, I spent 32 years of my life in corporate America. I spent the last 20 years of my life with a disaster restoration organization. So I, I understand the contracting world. I understand the service world. But I always approach business from a culture standpoint because I believe that the culture, the culture inside of an organization is nothing more than the customer experience that we give to our employees. And so as a leader, I think in these times, it's really important to focus on the team team to make sure that we're being honest with the team, but also being optimistic. And, you know, now is not the time to, to be fearful. It's okay to be scared, but we can't operate from a position of fear. We have to operate from a position of what's the next step that I can take to move my organization forward or to move my people forward and to invite them into the process. One of the things that I do know is people don't expect leaders to have all the answers. People expect leaders to be honest, to be transparent, to be optimistic, and to invite them into the process. And when we invite people into the process, it's amazing how many answers you can find from the people around you 
and hopefully you've surrounded yourself with positive people and proactive people and smart people and people that can help you dig out the answers because it's tough and we can't do it alone. So I always start, I think all success starts from the inside out. So with the company, I'm going to work focus on my customers inside the organization and they're going to help me find the solutions to serve the customers on the outside of the organization. Yeah, I really like that you emphasize that you can't do it alone and that you can also admit when you don't have the answers. I think that's a lot of a lot of leaders struggle with that kind of identity crisis of, oh, I need to be the leader, which means I need to know everything and I need to be, you know, on top of everything and I need to have direction for every single person. But sometimes you, it, the best thing to do is to say, you know what, guys, I don't know what's going to happen and I need your help to get there. I think that makes a lot of respect for a leader when that happens. I could not agree more. Leaders, you know, I've been blessed. I've had some great mentors in my life and, and, you know, things didn't always go my way as a young man. I had to really dig my life out of the ditch, but I was fortunate that I had some mentors show up in my life. And one of the things that, that one of my mentors used to teach me was about visioning and really about understanding. We don't have to have all of the answers. We don't have to know all of the steps. We just have to know the next one and be willing to boldly take that step toward that vision because quite frankly, none of us know how this is going to play out. We don't really know what this is going to look like in a post-COVID-19 era. Well, well, do I think we'll get back to, to business as usual? I do. I do believe that. And people say all the time, this is a new normal. This is our new reality. And I prefer to look at it as this is a season we're in. And one of the things that I know is that people want to be part of this process. The people that you have, in, have have entrusted your brand to, those employees, those key players in your organization, they want to be part of this process. They do not want to be ignored. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to, they don't want to be told, you know, just the pie in the sky stuff. They want the reality of the situation and they want to be invited into the process. And I think when we do that as leaders, we, we get really good at asking questions. And the better we are at asking questions, and listening for the answers, the more trust and the more respect we develop with the people around us, because you're not walking into the room, raising your hands, going, okay, relax, everybody. Everything's going to be okay. I'm here now. Right. Right. Instead, you're putting your arms out and embracing them and saying, look, I need you. I need you to get through this. And together we can get through it. I, I know your book really focuses on, you know, the power of positive change to drive great results. And, and, you know, having that kind of attitude of we're going to get through this, it's going to be okay, we got, we've got each other's back, it's especially important now, but with or without a pandemic, it's always good to hear those things. It's always great to have that positive energy and that positive outlook. Um, why do you think positivity is such an important part of efficiency and getting great results? You know, I think heroes, when I think of heroes, I think of people who, who see life differently than everybody else. One of the qualities of a hero that we talk about in the book is optimism. And I, when I first wrote the book, when I first started talking about heroes, I, I hesitated to use the word optimism because so many people mistake optimism for the Pollyanna, positive thinking, never see a cloudy day. You know, it's always sunshine and rainbows. And optimism is so much different than that. You know, I think that the positive thinkers they, they tend to put their head in the sand when they confront, confront a problem or have an obstacle or, or something that they're dealing with, and they tend to deny reality. Mm -hmm. And optimism is very different than that. Optimism is a skill set. Optimism is a muscle. 
And an optimist doesn't deny the reality. It just says, look, we've got a problem. And they, they call it a problem. They don't call it a challenge. They don't call it an opportunity. They call it a problem. And then they roll up their sleeves and they go to work on it. And what they do is they see what's possible and they don't live in what's probable. And so by seeing what's possible, it allows us to see the entire playing field and say, look, I don't have to accept this as my reality in the future. For example, our son, my wife, Lisa, and I, we have a 22-year-old son who has autism. And we talk a lot about him in the book. I talk about him in my speeches. Everybody knows Josh Brown. And one of the reasons that Josh has been able to accomplish so much in his life, Josh is becoming a business owner um, as we speak, as a matter of fact. And uh, he went to college and told us he wouldn't graduate high school. And one of the reasons that happened was because my wife did not accept the storyline that life gave us. All the experts told us he wouldn't graduate from high school. And she did not accept that as his truth. And she rewrote a storyline for his life. And it, it's amazing to me how many people get up every single day and they accept the storyline that life gives them. They accept the storyline that the pandemic gives them or that a doctor gives them or somebody else's opinion gives them. And they just walk it out as their truth and they never consider for one moment that the pen is actually in their hands. Right. That's a really, I mean, that's a great story. And I think you're totally right. A lot of people do to say, you know, well, that's the way, that's the way it is, you know, that there's nothing I can do to change that. How, how, if I'm a leader, I'm a business owner and I'm like, man, I really hear this. What is the, what's one of the first things I need to do to get out of my own way to rewrite my story and start leading positively and effectively? Well, if you're like me, I, I'm not naturally bent to being positive. And, you know, when people hear my story, they, they hear about, you know, a lot of junk that I went through as a young man and some things that I had to dig myself out of. And I'm not naturally bent toward being positive, but I have trained myself to be optimistic. Mentors showed me how to do that. And a big part of that is about what you allow into your brain. What do you allow into your ears? What do you allow your eyes to see? It's really guarding those things and protecting. Because here's the truth. We can't give what we do not have. And if the people around us are coming to us to be edified, to be inspired, to be hopeful, to be lifted up, if, if you know, we can't give what we don't have. So if, if we're letting all of the negativity get in, if we're buying into the news, if we're buying into the storyline, then we don't really have anything to give them. That w and people never leave companies. People always leave leaders. And they usually leave leaders who aren't feeding them anymore leaders who aren't mentoring them anymore, leaders who aren't inspiring them anymore. And so as a leader, I'm, I'm just extremely careful. I'm careful about the people I let into my life. I'm careful about what I watch, what I listen to. I'm careful about what I put my eyes on. Because if I, especially now, and it's like you, you've got to go 50 to one. You've got to put 50 positives in there for every negative, at least in my case. And so I'm constantly reading. When I go for a run, I've got podcasts that I'm listening to. You know, it'd be nice to listen to music. It'd be nice to listen to the news, but none of those things are really going to get me where I need to be mentally. So I'm trying to put stuff in there that I can then feed back to other people to add value to their life. That's a really good suggestion. You know, I think a lot of people, when they think of, oh man, I really need to kind of change my mindset, they go, oh, it's this huge monumental shift. I have to make some big kind of statement, but really it just takes a couple you know, it's not hard to listen to a podcast on your way to work that gets you motivated or, you know, like you said, when you're taking a walk, you know, thinking about things you're reading, thinking about the things you're consuming, whether it's media or whatever. Um, I love that suggestion. I think it, 
really will resonate with a lot of people in the building service contracting industry. Well, if you think about it, it's just a choice, right? We have a choice every single day. We have a choice uh, to be ordinary. You know, if you, if you listen to the classic definition of a hero, if you ask somebody, what does a hero look like? And of course, heroes are our military men and women, they're doctors and nurses, they're first responders, they're moms and dads, teachers and coaches. There's all kinds of categories of heroes. But most people will define heroes as ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And we challenged that early in the process. You know, at first we thought, yep, that's exactly what a hero is. But the more we worked with it, the more we talked about it, what we realized is that we've been conditioned to think about heroes in, the, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a not a good way. Mm-hmm. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things means by default that you have convinced yourself that you're ordinary in the first place. Mm-hmm. We don't believe that being ordinary is, has anything to do with being a hero. We think heroes are extraordinary people who choose not to be ordinary. And it's by making that mental shift to show up and be an ordinary leader. I'm not going to show up and be an ordinary employee. I'm not going to be an ordinary dad, ordinary mom, spouse, friend, fellow human being. I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to step into the gifts, the talents, the abilities that I was given, and I'm going to use them to serve other people. But I am, I am not going to be ordinary under any circumstance. Why do you think so many people are so quick to think that about themselves, that they're, they're just ordinary? It's an easy out. If we buy into the idea that we're ordinary and we have an occasional burst of extraordinary, there's not a whole lot that's expected. Right. Right? We can show up. We can go through the motions. We can do the minimum required to get by. We can fly below the radar and not make a lot of waves and just, just move through life. And there are a lot of people who are content to do that. I just think there's a bigger responsibility. I love what Bob Dylan said. He said, a hero is someone who understands the responsibility that comes with freedom. And I think about that quote a lot right now, especially when I think about COVID-19, I think about the world we live in, the the nation that we live in. I think about that quote a lot because even though some people are content to go through life in an ordinary way, I I don't think that that justifies where they're headed because I think the responsibility that comes with freedom is to use our talents, gifts, and abilities in the service of others to leave some mark on this planet that can't be erased to do something significant for the people around us. And those don't have to be big things. Significant things aren't necessarily big things. I'm not talking about starting a nonprofit or a movement or, or something like that. I'm talking about showing up and giving somebody the very best of you in this moment where we have this exchange and we can connect together. So if I, so this is, I mean, I think this is really great. I, I think we all need to kind of see the hero, the extraordinary person within ourselves, um, especially during these times, kind of pick yourself up from the bootstraps and say like, no, I, I, I can navigate these waters and it's not going to be a huge thing. Um, you had to give like one piece of advice. If I'm this person, I go, you know what, today is the day I'm going to start embracing my inner hero. What are they, what can they do from a business perspective to start making that happen? Well, first of all, know what your gifts are. I I hear so many people. So my son has a great passion for Walt Disney World. Um, It's one of the reasons we live in Orlando, Florida. And uh, he's had a passion for Disney since he was a little boy. And when we moved to Orlando, you could just see his dreams coming true in his eyes. You could just see that he was where he wanted to be. And my wife and I were absolutely convinced that this young man was going to go to work at Disney, that this, this had to be the destiny piece of, of our journey, that he was going to go to work at Disney. And 
we watched him as he started to go to Disney. The first thing he did was got a, he got his annual pass, and then he's going twice a week from open till fireworks. And this wow. is a young this is a young man with autism. This is a young man who doesn't like being around lots of people, has sensory overload and and social uh, interaction issues. And but to watch him suspend his fears because of his passion was intriguing for us to watch. And what we decided was that if he went to work at Disney, it might just ruin the passion for him. Mm. And so he's now, he's in the process of, of starting a, a franchise business and, and we're helping him do that. And, but your passion will override your fears. But I think it's really important to know what your gifts are. A lot of people confuse passion and gifts. They say, oh, Kevin, you get to pursue your passion of speaking. And speaking is not my passion. Speaking is my gift. And I believe we are obligated to use our gifts in the service of others. And that gives us the platform to pursue whatever our passions are. My passion's actually golf, but nobody on the planet <laughs> will pay me a dime to do. <laughs> well, hey, you know, maybe one day uh, Tiger Woods might be calling and say, I want to play a game of, game of golf. <laughs> the, only way, the only way he's calling me is if he wants me to carry his bag. That's the only way. <laughs> He's gone. But, but the, to answer your question, one thing that I think we need to be really clear on as leaders, sometimes we think we need to be all things to all people, that we need to be, you know, have all the skills, all the talents, all the answers and all that. The truth is we're all only good at one or two things. I mean, really good at one or two things. We can be good at a lot of things, but we're only going to be masters of a couple of things. And I think as leaders, we need to really hone in on what our gifts are and what we're great at and surround ourselves with people who shore up the areas where maybe we're not so great and use their greatness. Let them lead. Great leaders always know when to lead and when to follow. And you should have people on your team that are worthy of you following them from time to time. That's a really good piece of advice. I, I think a lot of times leaders, again, don't really know when to step back and let others kind of take the reins. Um, that can be hard. Uh, I don't want to say an ego thing, but it can be hard to kind of come to terms with that sometimes, you know, when when you maybe feel challenged, how, how do you mentally say to yourself, okay, I need to remember that this is a part of the greater good solution, that I need to step out and let people do what they got to do, and that I can step in when they need me? Yeah, you know, I, I'm really lucky. I've surrounded myself with a lot of people who keep me very humble. They keep me very grounded. It's easy when you're a leader, when you're an entrepreneur, you're growing a business, you've achieved a lot in your life. Of course, ego plays into that. There's a, there's a high degree of confidence that accompanies uh, entrepreneurship and leadership. And I love what my friend Walter Bond always says. Walter Bond always talks about, you know, when you can never cross that line from confidence to arrogance. When you cross that line from confidence to arrogance, everything starts to change. Everything starts to revolve around you, at least in your mind. And I think that's really true. And I think the more humble we are and the more we realize we need other people, and I've always just looked at my job as empowering and, and encouraging other people. I hire and surround myself with people who are really, really, really smart, way smarter than I am. Listen, I, I quit school in the 10th grade. I don't have any college training. My son was actually the first in my family to go to college. And I've always surrounded myself with really, really smart people. And as leaders, we have to be willing. When things are going really well, the team gets all the credit. And when things aren't going well, guess who, guess who gets to, to take the responsibility? Guess who gets to raise their hand and go, hey, this is on me. Right. And that's that's not an easy thing to do sometimes. Uh, I heard Simon Sinek talking about that the other day. He was talking about, listen, as a leader, it's all on you. And I, I had a mentor back in, in my early days as a salesperson. He used to tell me, he says, look, 
you can have power, you can have credit, but you can't have both. So if you give away all of the credit, guess what's left? It's the power. Mm -hmm. And by power, I don't mean dominance over people. I mean power that allows you to build a platform where you've got these supercharged humans who are helping to propel the business that, that provides that power and that that fuel that that business needs to grow. You have all the power to dominate your market, to dominate your, your market segment, to be the, the choice instead of a choice mm -hmm. in the marketplace. Too many companies are content to be a choice. The great ones, the great ones, especially in the contracting space, the great ones don't want to be a choice. They want to be the choice. Mm -hmm. And when you become the choice in this space, you'll have more business than you can get to. And that's a, that's the idea, you know, that's, that's the way to do it. You, you want to be turning away business and not begging for it. Yeah. You want to be turning business to, 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 um, to your competitors who are good competitors because now you have a chance to mentor them and help them grow their business, right? There's the pie is big enough for everybody, but we never want to be in a situation where we are a choice. We want to be the choice and you become that leader in your industry, you become that leader that other other organizations look to and they go, man, I want to be like them. I want to lead an organization like that. I want to serve customers like that. Have you seen their reviews? Oh my gosh, they're all they're off the charts. We that's what we want. And so influence is a powerful thing. Influence spills outside of the walls of your company. It spills into your industry. You become an industry leader, an industry icon. You become the one that people emulate and want to be like. That is very true. And, you know, from your perspective, if I'm the person that is envious, like I would say it's, I'm looking at, you know, the, the leaders in my industry, what can I, what should I be looking for and what can I learn from those people just from understanding how valued they are by the customer base? Yeah, you know, a friend of mine, he does a program called Success Leaves Clues. And uh, it's really simple. The most successful entrepreneurs, most successful leaders that I've ever known in my life, they boil it down to a few good things, right? They take really, really great care of their employees. Mm -hmm. They take really, really good care of their families. They take really, really good care of the customer and they, it's personal for them, which is something that we need to be mindful of as we, as we live in this technology overload space that we're in right now. You know, everybody's kind of zoomed out. Everybody is feeling kind of the burn of technology which I think is, has actually been a really good pendulum shift for us during this time. Technology is amazing. Technology allows us to leverage opportunities. Technology allows us to operate more efficiently, more succinctly. It get, gives us an opportunity to actually do more business. But technology should never, ever replace human interaction. And the bigger you get, the more successful you become, the further you personally move away from your customers. Every leader should have a list of customers that they don't let anybody deal with except themselves. Every leader should make it a, a, a priority to reach out to their clients and their customers for those personal touch points. It might be an email, it might be a quick phone call, it might be a dinner, whatever it is, never, never push that responsibility so far outside of yourselves that you've left your best customers in the hands of your employees. Even if they're your best employees, they are not you, but they always represent you. And so, as leaders, we need to make sure we're connected to and tethered to our customers, the people who are really the ones responsible for our success, right? They're the ones that they, they drive revenue and you can't build a business without top line revenue. Right. So we have to make sure that we take care. And the same is true with our best employees. So many leaders spend time working with the, 
the employees that, that need a little extra help. The, uh, you know, if you think of it in the 80-20 rule, you know, so many leaders spend time working on the 80% and ignoring their top 20%. The top 20% are the ones who need you more than anyone else. But right. we take them for granted because of the top 20%. We ignore them. And what happens? They don't get fed. They don't get to grow. They don't have a career path. So they leave us. And then we go, wow, I can't believe that Kate left me. I can't believe after all I've done for her, she left me. And it was just because we took them for granted. We do it in our personal lives, too. A good transition to my next question. You, your book focuses not only on how to be the hero in your own life professionally, but kind of what that means from a, per, a personal perspective, what it means, you know, with your family and with uh, your obligations to them. How do those two pieces play into one another? Um, you know, what you're doing at your home versus what you're doing at work. I think it's really hard uh, to see the lines between our business and personal lives anymore. In fact, I don't really think they exist. And I don't think they really existed much before COVID. I think our lives are so intertwined, our business and our personal lives. And I know when I left corporate America, I retired at the end of 2016 and I started speaking and consulting and, and doing what I do now. I made it a, a really strong point that this, this wasn't my business. This was our business. My wife gave up her career to take care of our son and to help him do incredible things, things that, that I don't have in me. I think moms are some of the greatest leaders on the planet. And, and I've learned so much about leadership by watching her and what she's done with our son. And so I'm, I've always been a student, but I've also always made her part of my process. She's a partner in this business. She's a partner in my life. And we make a lot of those decisions together, but it's knowing Again, it goes back to what I said before, knowing when to lead and when to follow. Mm -hmm. And there are times when I need to stop being a professional speaker and an author and all of that stuff and just be a dad and just be a, a husband and, you know, do something crazy like, you know, a, a spontaneous vacation or, mm -hmm. you know, something, something fun, something. And that's all a learning process. You know, I'm 52 years old and the older I get, the smarter my dad becomes. You know, because my dad told me all these things growing up. My dad told me, gave me all these lessons, you know, to slow down, to make sure that you own this space that you're in right now because it's going to go really, really fast. And here I am. I'm 52. My dad's almost 80. And he was absolutely right. It goes in the blink of an eye. So owning the moments that you're in, you can't be great at work and, and have the imbalance of not being great at home. You can pull it off for a while, but eventually it'll implode. Eventually, the stress of, of, of juggling those two things is going to become too much. I think it's much easier to understand that when we talk about extraordinary people choosing not to be ordinary, it starts at home, right? The people at home, I have far more, far more at stake with the people at home than I do at the office. Even though I'm we're talking about big business, we're talking about people who are drawing paychecks, we're talking about all this stuff. But if you don't have a home base, if you don't have a love base, if you don't have that place where you can recharge and refuel and be edified, then you don't have anything to offer the people at the office either. And so I think it's it's owning the space that you're in. When you're at home, be at home. I have a friend of mine who always she always says, be where you're at. Right. And although grammatically that's not correct, <laughs> that principle wise it's very correct. Be where you're at. You know, when we're at home, I've learned to turn the laptop off. For years Lisa thought she was married to a laptop computer. <laughs> and you know, family time should not include a laptop. And, uh, and so we've just, you know, I've learned how to watch movies, you know, I've learned how to do things that when I was young and hungry and growing, you know, maybe, maybe I wasn't as concerned with and, and 
you know, I think it's just knowing. And then when you're at work, be fully invested at work. Be fully invested in those people. And I also think that the people you work with become integral parts of your family too. Yeah. It's, it's great when uh, you... People always say, people used to tell me in business that I was always too close to my people and that I was too close to them that one day take advantage of me. And I always used to say, look, if they're going to take advantage of me, they're going to do it either way, whether we're close or not. I'd rather, I would rather be, I'd rather bank and roll the dice on the fact that being close to people is not only rewarding personally, but those are the people you want to take into battle. There's a reason that the military refers to, to the band of brothers or the band of sisters, right? There's a reason that they have that bond and that connection because they're going into battle every day. And I think it's important to be close to your, to your key people. I, you know, I saw some of my really closest, closest friends, uh, you know, have been people I've met at work um, because you, like you said, you kind of, you serve together and you get to know each other and it becomes, when you take the time to invest in other people, they invest in you as well. Right. Um, and I know BSAI, we love, <laughs> we love peer groups and we, we, we know that value of when you can come together and care about one another on a personal level, it really does deepen how you can care by care about someone on a professional level as well. Yeah. You know what? We're all, we're all in it, right? We're, I heard it said the other day that we, we may not all be in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. And I think that's true of, of life in general. We're all in this together. I mean, if we can't enjoy it and be close to people and have deep and meaningful relationships that, that fuel us in ways that money can't touch, then I'm not really sure what the point is. Well, those were all the questions I had for you. Um, but obviously, this has been a really great conversation. I think this is so, so relevant to building service contractors right now because, like you said, while we're – maybe not all in the same boat, we all are in the same storm and rising up and navigating through that storm is just is so important right now. And having that motivation to be positive can really change, it can make or break what's gonna happen to your business when the storm passes. Yeah, it's, you know what, Kate, this is the season we're in. This is our time, this is our time to shine. This is our time to rise up and we're seeing it. Crisis never makes a hero. Crisis only reveals them, and we're seeing them in every business from all walks of life, up and down Main Street. We're seeing people rise up and do great things. We may not always hear about them. We may not hear about them as much as we hear about the negativity and the things that aren't going well, but they're there, and we need to make sure that we see them, that we acknowledge them, that we honor them, and not only notice the heroes around us, but find the one within us and use that, the extraordinary person we were created to be, to pour into others and let that take us places we never even imagined. Well, that is awesome. And we are so excited to have you at Contracting Success Plus. Um, we definitely, you know, think people should come and, and hear you speak and hear the rest of your story. You've got a definitely a really great one. Well, I appreciate that. Remember, you can't give what you don't have. So I would, I would hope and I would expect everybody to be there because it's an opportunity to learn and grow together and we can't get too many of those. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contracting Conversations from BSCAI. If you liked what you heard and you want to find out more or to listen to previous episodes, head over to bscaiorg podcast. There you can also subscribe to our newsletter so you never miss industry news, updates, and great tips. 
Subscribe to Contracting Conversations on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and learn more about our community on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.